You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. To support this podcast, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click donate. It was an act of self-affirmation in a society where oneself was already being sacrificed. When we interpret nonviolence as self-sacrifice, irreparable harm, even lethal harm is done to those who survive and those who are victims of, of violation. Welcome to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery, and this is a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee might have to offer us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. This is episode 303, and our title is A Primer on Self-Affirming Nonviolence, Part 10. Now, before we jump into it, I just want to say a special thank you to all of you out there who on some form of uh, social media last weekend uh, wished me a happy birthday. Sunday was my birthday, and I just want to say thank you. You guys made my day. Also, I want to announce that starting next month, November and December, uh, we're going. We're starting our, our shared table. Our, it's our second annual. This is the second time we've done this now. Uh, shared table uh, fundraiser for Renewed Heart Ministries. I'll put a link to that in our uh, in the east side this week, but you want to keep a look out for that uh, both next month and in December. And also, I want to announce, I'll put a link to this too, that during the months of November and December, all donations uh, to Renewed Heart Ministries will be matched dollar for dollar. But we'll be sending out uh, more information on that as well. We have a, a, a few donors who are pooling their resources together to create a, a, a matching donations uh, event for, for the end of the year this year. And thank you so much for, for journeying with us through this series on self-affirming nonviolent resistance. This is our 10th and, and final installment, and, and leaving the objections that we've spent the last few weeks addressing, I want to wrap up our time together by just once again summarizing what we've learned here. I believe that that understanding the Jesus of the Gospels as teaching self-affirming nonviolent resistance, that, that's a life-giving interpretation. So let's begin by summarizing nonviolence itself. In Jesus's vision for social change, uh, what the Gospel authors refer to as the kingdom, Jesus, he had certain options available to him. He'd seen the results of both violent and nonviolent resistance efforts to to Roman oppression. And as he weighed the success and failure rates of both approaches, Jesus rejected violence. As author, uh, the late author Walter Wink reminds us, this is from his book, uh, Jesus and Nonviolence, A Third Way, um, uh, Kindle locations 316 through 318, but I'll put that reference in, in the east side as well. But he writes, the issue, however, is not just which, and he's talking about violence or nonviolence, which works better, but also which fails better. While a nonviolent strategy also does not always work in terms of our present goals, uh, though in another sense, it always works. At least the casualties and destruction are far less. And also the the social goals that Jesus was endeavoring uh, to plant the seeds for in his own community, those goals cannot be achieved through violence. So Rita Nakashima, Brock, and Rebecca Parker in their book, Saving Paradise, How Christianity Traded the Love of This World for Crucifixion and Empire, on page 13, they 
remind us violence can beget fear, stalemate, annihilation, dominance, and more violence, but it cannot beget love, justice, abundant life, community, or peace. And others also have recognized the impossibility of using means that contradict the ends um, that we're trying to achieve. Audre Lorde wrote, and this is uh, from Sister Outsider, Essays and Speeches, page 112, for the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. They may allow us temporarily to beat him at his own game, but they will never enable us to bring about genuine change. The first century Judea and and Galilee, they had both seen the results of both violent and nonviolent acts of resistance. And Jesus's gospel was not only a gospel of liberation, but also one of surviving and, and being able to achieve a quality of life once that liberation was accomplished. What good is liberation if your entire people and culture and way of life are wiped out in the process? Jesus's supreme value Remember, it was it wasn't simply the rejection of violence, but but more the goal of arriving at a just society. Correcting the the societal roots of systemic injustice, that was his passion in the Gospels, and this and this is important. If rejecting violence is your highest moral goal and justice is secondary. Too often, this has led to, to a passive response to injustice because you'd rather be nonviolent. Uh, that's led to, 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 to passivity rather than acts of resistance and nonviolent non-cooperation. Again, Walter Wink from the same book, he reminds us, violence is not an absolute evil to be avoided at all cost. It is not even the main problem, but only the pre presenting symptom of an unjust society. And peace is not the highest is good. It is rather the outcome of a just social order. And lastly, nonviolence is rooted in the value of maintaining love for one's enemy. And, and love for one's enemy, it should not be interpreted as accepting enemy's behavior, their actions, their choices. Love of enemy is the choice simply to hold on to, to your enemy's humanity. As human beings, we're still part of one another, and we still belong to each other, and nonviolence enables us to find a balance where we stop or we obstruct our enemy's actions, but we remain characteristically unlike our enemies in our methods. Love of one's enemies, it, it, it holds space uh, for and it adds pressure uh, against our enemies, making hoping that they make better decisions than than they're presently making. And again, we've quoted this now, I think, three times in this series. But this is Barbara Deming's Revolution and Equilibrium, page uh, 24. This is my favorite quote from her. It says, "With one hand, I love this imagery. With one hand, we say to the one who is angry or to an oppressor or to an unjust system, stop what you are doing. I refuse to honor the role you're choosing to play. I refuse." I refuse to obey you. I refuse to cooperate with your demands. I refuse to build the walls and the bombs. I refuse to pay for the guns. With this hand, I will even interfere with the wrong that you are doing. I want to disrupt the easy pattern of your life. But then the advocate of nonviolence raises the other hand. 
It is raised outstretched, maybe with love and sympathy, maybe not, but always outstretched. And with this hand, we say, I won't let go of you or cast you out of the human race. I have faith that you can make a better choice than you are making now, and I'll be here when you're ready. Like it or not, we are part of one another. I love the balance in this statement of holding both of these realities in tension. Next, let's talk about resistance. Jesus's nonviolence was not non-resistance. It was uh, nonviolent forms of resistance. We covered this in part four. Jesus's teaching on nonviolence, they, they were rooted in an attempt to provide nonviolent forms of protest, nonviolent forms of non-cooperation, and nonviolent forms of resistance to injustice, both personal and systemic. Remember, culturally, turning the cheek, it was a refusal to accept one's marginalized or lower social class position and treatment. And handing over your remaining article of clothing, that was using public nudity as a form of protest. And, and going the second mile, that was a refusal to play by the rules of one's oppressors. And today, ignoring tone policing or respectability politics is a similar refusal to play by the rules of an unjust status quo. And, and lastly, Jesus's nonviolence was not self-sacrificial, it was self-affirming. Jesus's form of nonviolence, it was an act of self-affirmation in a society where oneself was already being sacrificed. When we interpret nonviolence as self-sacrifice, irreparable harm, even lethal harm is done to those who survive and those who are victims of, of violation. And as we've said, defining Jesus as nonviolence as self-sacrificial, that's rooted in interpreting Jesus's cross as an act of self-sacrifice, as a submission to death, rather than a defiant refusal to let go of life. Remember, those in positions of power and privilege, they use both metaphorical and literal crosses to, to keep those who are being violated silent. And Jesus taught us not to remain silent, but to, to speak our truth, even if we're threatened with a cross for doing so. And far from being passive or, or submissive, Jesus's call to take up the cross was the call to join him in self-affirming resistance to injustice, regardless of dire threats. And again, to quote Brown and Parker, this is from the book, Patriarchy, Christianity, Abuse, page 18. It is not the acceptance of suffering that gives life. It is the commitment to life that gives life. The question, moreover, is not, am I willing to suffer, but do I desire to fully live? The distinction is subtle and to some spacious, but in the end, it makes a great difference in how people interpret and respond to suffering. So Jesus, again, Jesus' cheek defiance, the, the naked protest, and his the, the refusal to play by the rules of the oppressors, that was not sacrificial, self-sacrificial. It was a means of reclaiming and affirming one's humanity when those in power ignored or denied it. And Jesus' teachings on nonviolence they should not be interpreted as self-sacrifice, but self-affirmation in the face of violence. And over the last 10, 
parts of this series, over the last 10 installments, I've shared my belief that Jesus' form of nonviolence is much more life-giving when we interpret it as self-affirming nonviolent resistance. And, I, and, and again, I want to thank each of you, for the ones who've read and the ones who've listened, those of you who have wrote in or, or commented online about how this series was making a, a difference for you. I am so glad you've been journeying with us through this series, and I'm glad it has made a a difference. We have to allow more destructive interpretations of Jesus to give way to more life-giving interpretations. And this, I believe, is in full harmony with the spirit of Jesus's life and teachings. The, the movement that was born out of his life, that movement it once gave hope to those that, who were the most marginalized and, and discarded among his society. And, and my hope is that all those who take his name today will, will also reject violence, including violent forms of religiosity that have been created in his name. Uh, my hope is that we will begin working toward healing and, and reparations for all those whom certain strands of, of Christianity have harmed. Again, Jesus taught the rejection of violence. Jesus taught self-affirmation for the marginalized. Jesus taught resistance for those whose humanity was being violated. And may those who today uh, follow this Jewish Galilean prophet of the poor, may they today do the same. Heart group application this week. Uh, I want you to, number one, share with your group how this series has affirmed, uh, challenged, or even deepened how you presently follow Jesus. Number two, are there any new practices that see this series has brought to your attention that you're implementing and how you live out the ethics of love and justice and compassion and, and share those new practices with your group. And then number three, how has your heart group itself grown in its collective understanding of nonviolence? Has it, has it changed even some of the ways that you communicate even with each other on a weekly basis? Thanks for checking in with us this week. Wherever you are, keep choosing love, compassion, taking action, and reparative and distributive justice. Another world is possible if we choose it. And don't forget, we need your support here at Renewed Heart Ministries to continue making a difference. To do so, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click donate. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week.